0: Welcome back, you are tuning in to Anchored. My name is Justin Rumley and not only is it my privilege to be the Spiritual Life Director here at Pure Christian School, but I have the distinct honor of being your host of Anchored today. Anchored is a new ministry of Pure Christian School where we gather the PCS Bible team in order to provide biblical commentary on different claims of the culture. Because the tides of culture change constantly, and it is important that we as the people of God and Christian families in the local church remain anchored in God's word. I'm so happy you chose to join us uh, today because you are good company for a good conversation. And we are going to have an extremely good conversation today as we have some important topics to uh, discuss Before we dive into today's topic, I want to preface it uh, by filling you in a little bit on what we do uh, during Bible classes here at Pure Christian School. So uh, as one of the two high school Bible teachers here uh, in the high school, we are covering material regarding worldview in our curriculum. And it is important we discuss worldview because that is the basic presuppositions and assumptions we make in order to help us interpret all of reality so you can imagine a worldview kind of like a lens a lens you look through in order to make your experiences intelligible. Uh, We all have these different lenses it's how you know what is right and wrong. It's how you know about your origins, about your future, about your identity, and about your purpose. It doesn't matter what religion you hold or if you're irreligious. We all have a worldview and a lens in which we view and understand reality. So within this conversation of worldview, uh, whenever I come across an article that uh, has some unique uh, contributions to the topic of worldview, I always try to share it with my class and get my class's input on this article, and I want to share this article with you. Is that all right? Can we have a conversation here? I would love to uh, get your feedback if I could, but I want to share this article with you and have you meditate and contemplate on a few things that we talked about in class. So uh, this article is titled Millennials Care Less About Patriotism, Religion, and Family Than Previous Generation, study says. So Fox News came out with this article where they found this study that seems to indicate younger generations hold certain values in a less high regard than older generations do. So let's dive into this article. So the survey conducted by Wall Street Journal and Embassy News began 21 years ago when Americans were asked which values were most important to them. And the majority responded that principles of hard work, patriotism, commitment to religion, and the goal of having children were critical. Today, hard work remains atop the list, but the shares of Americans listing the other three values have fallen substantially Patriotism being, quote, very important, fell 9%, religion dropped 12%, and having children fell a whopping 16%. Older participants still feel that patriotism is a priority, but younger people aren't as enthusiastic. So from this study, we can uh, see a shifting of values between uh, different generations of Americans. and. The reason why I preface this conversation with discussing and defining what worldview is because values is a part of our worldview. You learn what to value from your worldview, your basic presuppositions and your assumptions that make up either your religious uh, viewpoint of the world or uh, whatever your worldview consists of, that tells you what to value and how much to value it. So when we see a shifting of values between generation we can't miss out on the fact that this indicates to us that there is also a shifting worldview going on now it shouldn't be a surprise to see younger generations going down a slightly different path than older generations this is nothing new right I mean maybe uh, you're an older listener today and I'm certainly you you can uh, remember maybe different ways you. Uh, went down a different path than, say, your parents or grandparents. Maybe it was the introduction of rock and roll music back in the day. How about that? I'm sure, our uh, or at least my grandparents and great-grandparents weren't uh, as much of fans as rock and roll as some of us were. Or maybe it was uh, a stage of being a hippie or, or something like that where fashion changed and values changed and our music taste changed and different things like that. So it's not a new concept that younger generations may chart a different path than older generations. But here's ultimately what I think is noteworthy and possibly concerning is what is changing in terms of uh, the millennial viewpoint. It's fundamental values that previous generations held in high regard. No matter if you liked rock and and roll music or not, uh, previous generations could unify on these three elements the idea of patriotism, the idea of religion, and the idea of strong family commitments and the value of children. So now we're seeing millennials start to chart a different path in terms of valuing these. Uh, notions, and this is concerning, at least in in my viewpoint here, because it shows us that younger people have a world view, have a lens in which they view things like patriotism as not being as important as other things, and they have a lens where they view things like religion as not being important, as important as previous generations viewed it, and they view things like having children as not being as important as what previous generations viewed this. So we see a shifting and changing paradigm of interpretation or worldview. And my concern is is that this change is drifting not closer to the biblical paradigm, but rather drifting farther away from it. So whenever I discuss an article about worldview or things that are changing in the culture, I always seek feedback from my students. I asked my students, what are some possible expectations we can have if these values remain the same? So we know millennials hold patriotism, religion, and having children as lower on the hierarchy of priorities than older generations. So once millennials become our pastors, once millennials become our uh, politicians, once they become our CEOs, once they start taking leadership and influence in our culture, what type of change can we expect to see? And one of the students in the class had an interesting observation that I want to share with you. In fact, maybe in your mind, you're contemplating What are some expectations uh, and things we can expect when the younger generation, the millennials start taking uh, influence over the world? And and hopefully that doesn't have you too scared, but there are different things we can expect when people with different values or different worldviews start influencing the culture. And and this specific student stressed that uh, we could expect to have less unity in our culture. And I I want to focus on this for a minute, that we can expect to have less unity in our culture. And I think this student hit the nail on the head. These three values of patriotism, religion, and having children or strong families are all unifying principles that are becoming less and less popular in our culture. And we can, I think, demonstrate this and view this in a very real and tangible way. Let's use the example of political rhetoric. Okay. Let's use political rhetoric. Uh, maybe now I'm still pretty young, so I haven't lived through too many presidential campaigns, but it's not too challenging to see that the most recent presidential election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton was a nasty one. We heard names of all different things under the sun being used to call people from the other side of the aisle, uh, whether it be communists or snowflakes or xenophobes, homophobes, deplorables, nasty, whatever it may be, There were a plurality of different names used to describe our fellow Americans in regards to their political views. Now, you may be of the opinion that some of these names have a basis in reality, but I think we can all agree that oftentimes they get thrown around too quickly and we broad brush each other too much in a negative way. And of course, you can go on YouTube and find... Uh, Richard Nixon debating John F. Kennedy, and you can see how did that presidential debate look compared to uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I think it's pretty clear to say that we aren't uh, we aren't improving our political discourse to becoming more polite, more caring, and more uh, more considerate of one another. Rather, it seems we're drifting in the opposite direction. We're quicker to shout our opinions. We're quicker to call each other names. We're quicker to demonize one another. We're quickly to divide, but not quick to unite. And I think this is partially because we're losing those values that held us together in unity. For example, let's say you're a Democrat. Okay. Let's say your neighbor's a Republican. We can all disagree on those important political issues, but it's hard to hate your Republican neighbor when you have to take communion with him that Sunday. Right? Or maybe if you're a Republican, it's hard to hate that Democrat in your neighborhood when you have to sit next to him in the pew and worship Jesus with him. right? But if you take away religion, if that is a no longer a value or a highly prioritized value in our culture, then it's a lot easy oh well it's more easy to hate your political opponent when you don't see them at church, when you don't share those, religious convictions. Or how about this? Even if you don't share the religion of Christianity, it's hard to hate someone when you can both agree that we should be proud to be Americans. Maybe we disagree on how to make America great, but we can all agree that we want to make America great and that we are proud to be from this country. But if you take away the value of patriotism, next thing you know, we lose that unifying factor. If we can't even agree that America is a good place to live, that we're proud and that we want to make it even better, then boy, it's easy to divide and demonize over that. In the same sense, even with our own families, we can have political disagreements. And I'm sure we all know that one uncle who we don't want to bring up politics with at the Thanksgiving table. But guess what? We still invite him to Thanksgiving because he's family. When we have strong family convictions, when we value children, when we value family ties then we can unify even within our differences but when we aren't valuing having children when we don't value strong families suddenly even that unifying factor is taken away so I think the the student in my class hit the nail on the head when uh, he said that seemingly these unifying characteristics are being slowly but steadily stripped away from our culture and we're finding it easier to demonize one another to divide uh, and of course uh, not to unify. So I'm not sure what you came up with in your mind, but when we think of this paradigm shift in worldview and the shifting of values, it certainly will have different ramifications. Whether those are for the better or for the worse is for you to decide. But one possible concern could be That we won't be as unified. Now you might be thinking, wait a second, Justin, this is supposed to be a Bible podcast, right? We want to remain anchored in God's word, not a political commentary. And I completely agree. So let's open up our Bibles today and see what God's word has to say possibly regarding these issues. Let's first turn to Jeremiah 29. I think there is much the prophet Jeremiah has to say to our culture, but I want to focus specifically on Jeremiah 29. Verses 4 through 7. That is Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7. And we're going to see what God has to say to us today. So we'll begin here in verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Why did I choose this text? Because I think it can speak into some of the paradigm shift in worldview and values. What do we see here? We see the prophet Jeremiah sharing with the people of Israel uh, the the expectations God has for them while they're being taken in exile to Babylon. Now, I don't want to uh, oversimplify what's happening here. What what happening is uh, Israel was at war with Babylon. Babylon conquered Israel. They Uh, murdered some of their population, ransacked the temple, they killed their warriors, they're enslaving people, and now we have a, a, a people from Israel going into captivity in the very lands of their worst enemies. You can imagine what's going through the minds of the Israelites. If there was ever a place where they have reason to complain, reason to talk about injustice, abuse, oppression, if there's any t- place that they could say, we don't want the welfare of this, this city in this country. We want to uh, be a thorn in its flesh. Here is the time, right? That the people of God are being taken to the country of their enemies. And you'd expect God to say, be a thorn in their flesh, complain, uh, talk about the injustice and the oppression. You have no reason to be happy where you're at. But that's not what God says, Right. <laughs> God tells them to do what? God tells them to plant. God tells them to do to take a harvest. God tells them to plant roots in uh, these these cities. He tells them to give their sons and daughters in marriage, to have children, to reproduce, to multiply, and he tells them to intercede and pray for the welfare of the city they're in. Because when your city thrives, you thrive. Wow! This was not what I was expecting when i first interacted with this text imagine the people of god being exiled taken captive to the the very country that was their enemies and god tells them to put down roots multiply have families intercede on behalf of the city work for its well-being because then you will thrive as well if there was ever a time that a people had the right to complain and and be a thorn in the flesh of their city that was the time but that's not what god expected so in the same way we as americans how much more so should we be working for the welfare of Peoria, for the welfare of Illinois and of the United States. Because when our city and country thrives, so do we. Now, I know this isn't exactly comparative to patriotism, but my concern is if we don't have a priority to make our communities a better place, we are living in disobedience to God. What I'm not advocating for is blind obedience to the government. What I'm not advocating for is that we... uh, whitewash history and pretend America was a perfect place. But what I am saying is that we, just like the captives here in Babylon, need to work for the welfare of our city because we love our neighbor as ourself and we want to glorify God whether we're in Babylon or we're here in Peoria. So I'm not asking for a blind patriot. I'm asking that we prioritize the well-being of our communities in whatever way the Spirit of God leads us. My concern is that when we see uh, patriotism drop, when we see religion drop, when we see valuing children drop, suddenly we're seeing the exact opposite of what we see here in Jeremiah 29, right? Jeremiah 29, work for the welfare of your city. Strive to make things thrive there. What? Pray and intercede to your God for your city. Maintain those religious convictions. And what? Give your sons and daughters marriage and multiply, reproduce, have children. Because the more children you have, the more influence you have. The exiles to Babylon valued things that the millennial generation are losing grasp on. Now, I'm not trying to paint a dire picture here, not at all. But just a simple observation that when we put on a biblical worldview... Christians, no matter what city or country we are in, no matter how good or bad should be and will be a force for good, a force for the general welfare, that whenever a mayor knows they have Christians and churches in their city, that they can know that they have a people interceding before God Almighty on behalf of the welfare of their city, and that wherever their Christian families are, that the community will know that they value children, they value families. I hope and pray that the, our, our younger Christian believers, our millennial Christian believers, possibly listening today, will uh, refocus on a biblical paradigm, a biblical worldview, and learn to value things like the welfare of their city, religion, and uh, having children more so than maybe what their secular counterparts are. So remember, Jeremiah 29 this week, and, and what God expected of the exiles, and I pray that we uh, live in further obedience even here, right in our hometown of Peoria. But I we'll want uh, to to bring observations from Scripture to bear on this article. Let's turn to Judges chapter 2, verses uh, 6 through, uh, well, we'll see how far we get. Let's start in Judges chapter 2, and we'll begin here in verse 6. I bring up... This text, because we'll see an example of a generation that shifted their religious values away from their ancestors and how that turned out for them. So, Judges chapter 2 will begin here in verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance. And in Timnath-Erez, in that hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaish, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation After them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So, what we see here is that when Joshua conquered the promised land, that when they went to settle, that uh, once Joshua and his generation of elders died, there eventually arose a generation who did not know the Lord, who shifted their values away from that of their ancestor, who changed their worldview paradigm who devalued and uh, deprioritized the religion of Joshua and Moses and their ancestors for something else. If you continue reading in verses 11 through 15, you will find that uh, this shifting in religious value, this deprioritizing of the God of the Bible led to syncretism, the idea of worshiping gods alongside Jehovah. This led to pagan idolatry, led to moral decline, led to rebellion among the people, and the Lord took note. And the Lord brought judgment. Throughout the book of Judges, you'll see this cyclical cycle of judgment and rescue, judgment and rescue, obedience and rebellion, obedience and rebellion, all because different generations cannot maintain their faithfulness to God. So it is my initial concern that in my my prayer that the millennial generation does not become a Judges chapter 2 generation where they reject the religion of their parents and their grandparents, that once the generation of Joshua passes away, that they then chart their own religious route away from the God of the Bible. This can only bring judgments and curses. But my although my prayer is not that we become a Judges chapter 2 generation, my prayer is that we become a different type of generation, one we see as uh, demonstrated in the biblical character Timothy. So turn with me if you have your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 and we'll see a different example that we can contrast with the Judges chapter 2 type generation. So 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. control. I read through verse 7 there because there was some powerful stuff even after verse 5. But you see here, Timothy is a young believer. The apostle Paul is writing to him. Eventually, Timothy will become the pastor of a church, and he says, remember the faith of your mother and grandmother. He says, "The, the faith of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am sure that dwells in you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul encourages and exhorts Timothy to hold tightly onto that faith from which he knew whom he was taught. So we see Timothy here value the religion of his mother and grandmother, that he did not shift and change uh, his religious direction, that he maintained faithfulness to the God of the Bible because he chose to hold on to that Christian faith, and convictions of his mother and grandmother. So it is my prayer and my hope that my millennial brothers and sisters in Christ be more like Timothy rather than a Judges Chapter 2 type generation. And that's why we do what we do here at Peoria Christian School. That's why so many parents choose Christian education because they want to best equip and prepare their students. Even starting in preschool here at PCS, uh, to embrace a proper Christian worldview, to mature and grow in the faith, and be prepared uh, to be Christian warriors fighting for the kingdom of God. I could rant so much more about that, but let's briefly touch on one more section of Scripture before we close today. Psalm 127, verses 4 through 5. Turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 127, verses 4 through through five. And here we have some more biblical insights into one of the values that is shifting here with younger generations. So Psalm chapter 127, verses four through five says this: Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, he shall not be put to shame. When he speaks with his enemies in the gate. You know what? I'm going to add verse three here. It says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. So we can see scripture's description of how we should view children. He calls it, uh, the psalmist calls uh, children a heritage from the Lord. He calls them a reward of the fruit of the womb. He says they're like arrows in the hand of a warrior, He says, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with arrows. Blessed is the man and the woman who has a full house of children. We should rejoice with children. That doesn't mean they will never be a burden. But children are a blessing from God. Not something we should uh, be devaluing. Not something we should be viewing as a problem or an Overburdensome type thing on our lives. In fact, in our culture today, when someone learns uh, oftentimes that they are with child, their first reaction is a negative one, usually, right? Oh no. How am I going to pay for this child? How am I going to provide? How am I going to, you know, change my life? Uh, there's often this gut reaction of, of negativity. Rather, the Bible says we should be rejoicing. They are a reward. They are a blessing. And the man who's quiver is full of arrows. The couple who has many children are truly, truly blessed. So I hope just from this brief discussion, you will notice how uh, the shifting of values truly is grounded in our worldview. And when our worldview drifts farther away from scripture, our values slowly begin to not match up with scripture's value. When we have a negative view on children, or when we Deprioritize having children. Suddenly, I wonder if we know of Psalm 127. If the psalmist saw children as a reward, as a blessing, then why are uh, we dropping in terms of percentage-wise our commitment and priority of having children? In the same way, when we look throughout scripture, when generations start to drift away from religious convictions, when they shift away from the Christianity of their forefathers, like Judges chapter 2, it can only bring bad things. It can only bring judgments until there is revival. So I pray millennials are a Timothy type of generation rather than a Judges chapter 2 type generation. Of course, finally, uh, we should be proud of where God has providentially placed us. And no matter if we are in a, a city that does a lot of good or a city that does a lot of bad, we should be striving to help our city thrive. Because as Jeremiah 29 said, we should intercede for our city. We should plant roots. We should have children. We should Thrive to see the city's welfare because that is our welfare as well. This is not a blind patriotism, but I just sure hope that even if millennials are less patriotic, that they share a strong commitment, whether they're in Peoria or they're in Babylon, to glorifying God by loving their neighbor as themselves and making their city a good place to live. So this is why we do what we do here at Peoria Christian School. Even though younger generations seem to be shifting away from the Christian faith, I can personally tell you that here in the halls of Peoria Christian School, you will find a vibrant biblical worldview among the student body. You will find elementary school children singing Christian You'll find middle schoolers wrestling with difficult passages of scripture. You'll find high schoolers doing community service and having gospel conversations, learning to defend the faith and advocate for the faith. Because in Christian education, we can work under the will and sovereignty of God within the the precious protection of his word to promote and prepare students to go out into the world and be a Timothy generation rather than a Judges chapter 2 generation. I wish we had a longer to discuss, but we simply ran out of time this week. I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Anchored. And I encourage you to join us next week where I'm excited to have a new, refreshing conversation with you once again. God bless and see you then.